0: Locked On NBA, the biggest stories, the local experts. Every Monday on Locked On NBA, we check in with our local Locked On Podcast Network hosts. Today, we go to Detroit to speak with Koo Kahil of Locked On Pistons about Cade Cunningham and his performance in Summer League. We go to Cleveland to speak with Chris Manning of Locked On Cavs about Evan Mobley, and then We go to Houston. Actually, we go to Vegas to speak with Jackson Gatlin of Locked On Rockets about the number two pick, Jalen Green, and his Vegas Summer League performances. All coming up, the biggest stories, the local experts on Locked On NBA.
1: You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Hi guys, and welcome back to another week of Locked On NBA. I am your Monday host, Josh Lloyd. I'm also the host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast, and I'm the lead analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. Vegas Summer League is almost done. So let's get the local takes on the top prospects and how they have performed and what the hopes and worries are with the teams that drafted them. So let's get to it. Actually, before I do that, though, today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit RockAuto.com and tell them that Locked On sent you. So let's bring him in now. The host of the Locked On Pistons podcast, Kuka Hill, is here with me. ku the Pistons obviously with the number one pick in the NBA draft. Cade Cunningham played uh, played some games in Vegas. I believe he's done now. Uh, missed the last game for a coach's decision. How did you how did you see Cade's I guess professional debut here in Vegas in those three games? He averaged almost nineteen points, six rebounds. He hit four threes per game. There were some who were maybe a little underwhelmed with some of Cade's performances, but how did you view his uh, debut in a Pistons uniform?
2: Uh, I think we were all pretty, pretty cool with it. Uh, I feel like especially in summer league, it's more like tailor made for players like Jalen Green who are going to go out there and really can just like ISO score and you're going to take over. And more athletically, you can like really show, show just how much more athletic NBA players are to guys that just aren't in the NBA uh someone like Cade, he's there to, like, make players better. Um that, That's kind of, like, the big reason why he was taking over Jalen Green for the Pistons. And there was a lot of times, especially in the first two games at the Pistons – I believe there was one game, actually, the second game, the Pistons shot, I believe, three of 25 or something like that from beyond the arc outside of Cade. Uh, and he easily probably could have had, like, eight or nine assists a couple times if guys could just hit shots. But, yeah, I think he looked pretty good defensively, off ball. He's a pest. So, him and Killian Hayes look that they're going to be really – like annoying to deal with on defense, off ball, uh, more point of attack. They struggle a little bit. It looks like that's something they need to work on, but off ball getting around screens, they look like they're pretty good at. So definitely a pest in the backcourt defensively and offensively. Uh, he showcased how good of a shooter he is from outside. One area I think he needs to improve on, and it's not that big of a deal. I feel like all young guys have to, obviously, just get a little stronger. He got pushed off his spot a few times and kind of made him lose his handle, uh, but that's not a big deal. He's 19 and he's pretty scrawny right now. So, I mean, everyone has to get stronger, but Outside of that, I think he looked pretty good.
0: Yeah, I, I heard that he'd lost uh, lost quite a bit of weight over the period. Yeah, from finishing the college season through through this time now, and thought he'd. I uh, thought I heard that his weight was down to under two hundred pounds. So uh, I, I guess that was uh, that's something he needs to work on and get that strength back up. The assist thing is something I was going to talk to you about because he only averaged two point three assists, which is uh, what seven assists through the three games. But I think that's a, a problem that um, was an issue with his numbers at Oklahoma State as well. Is this the, the teammates? didn't make shots it wasn't that he wasn't creating or wasn't creating good looks for them Ku. it was more that they just weren't going in for his teammates
2: yeah i think it was the same thing in the summer league as well like the first game uh <laughs> pistons fans actually got tyler cook's name to trend on twitter <laughs> after the first game because he like <laughs> he was dropping multiple lobs. he dropped a couple outlet passes Kate got to him um he was just dropping everything it was really bad it was kind of, he was giving like his best on maker impression that he could on that first game and then outside of that like Guys just couldn't shoot from deep. They were missing every shot from downtown. Um, Even like the second and third game, I believe Sadiq Bay also didn't shoot that well either. So when he's like your main three point shooter and he's not even shooting well, it's going to be a struggle. So, but yeah, like you said, I think him and Killian hits both. Like both of them create really good looks. Killian probably a little better right now. Killian's really good at that. But Cade can create really good looks for guys. Uh, He did that in the summer league. Guys just weren't hitting shots. So the numbers, like you said, the numbers won't really show that part. But yeah, definitely. He did a pretty good job of finding them just – I think he needs to get stronger, like you said. Uh, That part, I think it kind of – and especially in pick and roll, it kind of knocked him off a little bit, especially on some passes. Uh, He was kind of off-balance a little bit from getting pushed around a little bit. Uh, The Summer League also allows a little bit more physicality, I think. Uh, But either way, I think he did a pretty good job in his role and finding guys just needs to get a little stronger.
0: Yeah, you mentioned that Killian Hayes shot 18% from three. Uh Sadiq Bay shot 24% from three. So like those numbers, you would hope, they're going to go up in the regular season. Cade amazingly took nine threes a game during those three games that he played, hit 50% of his threes, and he is a really good shooter, probably not that level of shooter, but good to see him getting those threes up, high volume there, good scoring, really good defensive numbers as well. But I have heard some people criticize the fit between Killian Hayes and Cade Cunningham. So oh, they, they can't work together. I absolutely do not um, subscribe to that theory, but is it? Can you see any relevance to that? Can you see any reason why people will be saying that from watching those two play together in, in uh, these you know, three games that they played together?
2: Um, see, I think you put something on on the end of that question that makes it like a little bit funny. Uh, from watching them, no. Yeah. If you were like not watching them and wanted to like make a base opinion off, like, well, you know, Killian's not that great of a shooter, so how is that really going to work? Then yes, I can understand how someone could come to that conclusion, but. If you watch them, I don't really – and even before, like, watching them, I never really had, like, much of a worry about it at all. I actually think they were going to be a pretty good fit together. This is why. Because the the Pistons, specifically Dwayne Casey, loves to have multiple ball handlers on the floor that can create for themselves and others, and both of them can do that. Um, Killian, I know his percentages uh, from the field probably don't look that great in summer league, but he showed some real uh, improvements explosion-wise, getting to his spots. Uh, Pretty much everything in – underneath or not underneath between the three-point line, and the basket, he was pretty good at. Uh, it was just beyond the three-point line. He was struggling a little bit still in the summer league, but outside of that, like I said, on defense, they're both like pretty pesty, uh, both long, big guys uh, and really were frustrating. A lot of guys on the defensive end, obviously I'd like to see if that translates to NBA NBA uh, talent. I think it somewhat will, uh, but defensively, I think they're really good together and offensively um, in the summer league, the Pistons went the route of, and I kind of talked about this on the podcast too, like, I'm gonna mention Jalen Green, and it's not because I don't like Jalen Green, it's simply because like that's gonna be the guy that's gonna get compared to him nonstop. So like Jalen Green with the Houston Rockets, at least when I watched them, they were doing more of like here you go, Jalen, you score, go score, go do your thing, just like do what makes you best. And the Pistons took more of a route, and I think it's because they have three of their current five starters for the regular season on their summer league team of doing more things like trying to get them adjusted ready for the regular season, tire workout, some kinks, try and make them gel together of some things they're going to be doing during the regular season. So, like, you saw a lot of Cade and Killian both off-ball with Saban Lee running up the point. And that's because they know they're going to have to play off-ball. One of Killian Hayes or Cade are going to have to play off-ball sometimes. Like, Killian's bringing it up or Cade's bringing it up. One of them's going to have to learn how to play off-ball. So they put them in a lot of those situations. Like, you did not see – I think Cade started to pick up a little bit more with the ball in his hands towards the end. But Killian definitely spent a lot of time off-ball. They both were trying to get adjusted to that. Um, there's a lot of times when they both just weren't really featured in the offense either. It's more so the summer league. They're just trying to get these guys adjusted to what could happen during the season when they're both on the floor together. So outside of that, I think if you looked at other scenarios where they actually did have the ball in their hands, there was one pretty play this last game they played together where K drove, kicked out the Killing, Killing gave a guy a crossover and kicked back out to a relocating K Cunningham who hit a three. Like I think their chemistry is already pretty good and K talks very, very highly of Killing it after games. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't really worry about their, their fit. I'm actually pretty high on it.
0: Last question for you, Ku, before uh, before you go, Luca Gaza. A lot of uh, a lot of hype I'm seeing for him on Twitter. At this point, he's not even on the Pistons roster. He hasn't signed a contract. They have 16 guaranteed contracts at the moment. They do have a two-way spot open. But do you think he's an NBA player? And do you think he will get that uh, that two-way slot, or will they find a, a an extra position for him on the roster uh, as it currently stands?
2: Um, Luca Garza is kind of a, a fun topic because. I think he's going to get a two-way contract from the Pistons. He might get a roster spot, but I think he's going to end up with one of the two-way contracts. Um, he's he's a fun player because – or interesting player, I guess, because before Summer League, I guess he's the perfect type of player you'd expect to go and dominate in Summer League. Like, he's yeah. one of those guys you'd expect to, like – he's going to dominate offensively because he's just more talented and stronger than a lot of guys in the Summer League, uh, and they're not really going to take advantage of what, how horribly he is defensively, even though they did kind of do that in the first game. It was pretty bad. Uh, but they're not going to scheme that kind of thing in summer league. And he's going to be able to physically outmatch a lot of guys in summer league. Uh, I'm I'm not, I'm not sure a lot of the things you guys saw in summer league uh, offensively will translate to the NBA. Uh, Obviously he's very talented and very skilled, skilled offensively, but whether he's going to be able to just like, you know, I don't think we're going to be seeing him take step back threes. Like he did last game or we're going to be seeing him do a lot of like Dirk fadeaways kind of thing. Like, I just don't think he's going to be doing that in the NBA at least his first season and really, for him to become an NBA player, I don't see a route for him becoming a passable defender. He's going to have to be, like, otherworldly offensively to make up for his defense. And that's a large ask to have of somebody. So he's going to be interesting to watch. He works extremely hard. His dad has become, like, the favorite in Pistons' Twitter. His dad constantly is tweeting all of us with videos and support of it. Like, his dad is extremely funny and very supportive. Uh, but, yeah, Luca works very hard. You can tell he knows his weaknesses and is trying his hardest out there, which I can respect. It's just like at the end of the day, it, he's a likable guy and I'm rooting for him. It's just hard for me to see how he becomes a passable enough defender to really get rotational minutes in the NBA.
0: Yeah, you echo uh, basically all my thoughts on Luca Garza there, Koo. If you want to hear more about the Pistons Summer League and their offseason heading into the preseason, Koo is the host of the Locked On Pistons podcast. So go and check him out over there and on on uh, on and on Twitter as well. Koo, thank you for, uh, for joining me. Yes, sir. Excessive sweating can be embarrassing. Nobody wants to have to deal with that sort of thing. So, well, I've got something that can help fix that problem. It is sweat block. Doctor created, doctor recommended. Sweat block wipes are the answer that you've been looking for for that embarrassing problem of too much sweat. It works for up to seven days per use and there's a dry shirt guarantee. If sweat block doesn't keep you dry, you get your money back. What you do, you go home, you put it on, you the wipes, wipe your underarms, go to bed, wake up the next morning, have a wash. And for up to seven days, You might have to apply it twice a week, but up to seven days, you might get a week's out of it. You will be saved from the embarrassment of excessive sweating. Sweat block is stronger and more effective than most clinical uh, antidepressants, antiperspirants. You simply apply it at night before bedtime, go to bed. The next morning you wake up, wash and go about your day without worrying about sweat guaranteed. And you can get it today for 20% off at sweatblock.com using our promo code LOCKEDON. Or you can also buy it at Amazon and at CBS. That's sweatblock.com, but use the promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off. When hiring gets hard, you need Indeed, the job site that makes hiring incredibly simple. Just attract, interview, and hire. In fact, with Indeed, you can do all of your hiring in one place, even interviewing. Don't just hope your perfect candidate will find you. Indeed's hiring tools help you cut through the noise to hire faster and smarter. In fact, Indeed Instant Match provides a list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed the moment that you post a sponsored job. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Get started right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash on. Get a $75 credit at indeed.com slash locked on. Indeed.com slash locked on. Offer valid through September 30th. Terms and conditions apply. All right, so let's bring him in now. One of the hosts of the Locked On Cavs podcast, Chris Manning, is here with me on Locked On NBA. Chris, welcome uh, welcome back to the show, firstly. And secondly, um, we're covering the the top three picks here in today's little uh, bunch of shows when talking about Summer League. Evan Mobley, the number three pick, went to the Cavs, played uh, played games in Summer League, played around 30 minutes a night, averaged 11 points, eight boards, shot fairly horribly, should um Yeah, this is not, let's put it this way. This is not the environment for Evan Mobley to really stand out. But I thought, still, despite some of the pedestrian shooting and scoring numbers, I thought he looked really good. How did you, as a Cavs observer, Cavs insider, view Evan Mobley's professional debut in Vegas?
3: Yeah, um, I just got actually back from, I saw him play twice. Um, well, sorry. I saw him play once against Orlando in person. And I watched the other games. But. I want to just note that you're right about the setup. Like not only is summer league really geared towards guys who can score in the wing and and do so with the ball in their hands and and are operating from the perimeter, but, the Cavs, like, didn't bring anyone who really could, like, set up an offense to summer league. Like, they, they tasked like, Isaac Okoro, who I like a lot, but that isn't what he does. That's not what Broderick Thomas was really trying to do. That's not what Lamar Stevens was trying to do. Like, they, they kind of brought a roster that was not really going to empower him. And yet, I think he did a lot well. I think particularly in the game against Orlando, he was getting a little more under his jump shot. He was making his shots when he was taking pick-and-pop threes, taking some shots from the elbow. He was doing a little bit of everything in terms of driving, in terms of defending, in terms of passing. We I mean, already had seemingly developed a nice chemistry with Isaac core when core was cutting off ball. So I think there's a lot to like, even though the circumstances are weird. I think you know you still got to see. Um, we I think we still need to figure out how good he might be from year one. I I think it might be a little less of a clean transition for him versus like a Green or a Cunningham just because of the nature of what he does, but. I, I agree with you. I think there's a lot to like. I think he isn't going to be able to do a lot right away, and that's going to be kind of interesting to see how the Cavs deploy him and how they try to empower him in
0: that way. I think what you mentioned there is really important because there's no real point guard on this team. There's nowhere out, no You're one on. out there setting them up. Like I think Mobley averaged the most assists on this team through the four games. Uh, Jalen hands three point 3. three versus Mobley three, and, and I but, think, but Mo- like that,
3: yeah, <laughs> but that's like that's like, it was like. It was like watching a team that was like, what if like trying to do like a lab experiment of like, let's just not have a point guard. Like, right? Like, let's have someone bring up the ball. Let's have someone like maybe make the first pass. But it's like, what if we just didn't have a point guard? It was like a very like I, I, I kind of wonder if they couldn't get a veteran or if there was a prospect they couldn't get like there. There was just a big pointer, point guard-shaped hole in this roster. is was very weird.
0: Well, if they had have been uh, Portland Summer League team, they would have brought back J- Jameer Nelson or someone like that to run uh, to run point for them. Um, but I think what's most impressive with that is, is yes, look, the shooting is horrendous—like 13% from three, 35% from the field, yeah, you know, 40% on his twos. He only hit 50% of his free throws. Like all that's really bad. But the fact that he was able to generate a, a 27% usage still while having nobody getting the ball to him in advantageous spots. I think is the big takeaway you've got to get there. He averaged eight boards, almost two blocks, three assists. Like They are all really impressive numbers. The passing looked great. He is still going to be um, outstrengthed at times by NBA opponents. That's going to happen. But the fact that he's able to get those passing reads in there and still get his own shot despite nobody being able to get him the ball, I think that's the real takeaway here. And as you mentioned, there are so many players Guys like Trevon Blewett, who's on this team, and Broderick Thomas and guys like that, who are like, hey, we were fighting for an NBA contract here, so they're just going to take shots. Like They're going to get out there, and they're going to take their shots. Lamar Stevens, another guy that needs to try to guarantee himself a rotation spot with the Cavs this year. These guys are out there to get their own, and that's how Summer League works, and it doesn't usually work um, massively well for big men in that scenario. So I thought it was really impressive. He was able to generate as much offense for himself and generate for others and looked pretty comfortable out there defensively as well. And I think that um, it's people might knock him down a little bit for some of this poor shooting. I don't think there's really any concern with that. But that that brings me to like what we saw here from Mobley. Like, how does that translate to the NBA? How cautious are the Cavs going to be about you know, feeding him to the wolves, so to speak, you know, with other big men, Jarrett Allen, Kevin Love, Larry Nance, all still on the roster? You know, what's Mobley's role... Going to be with this team as we move forward.
3: I think you're going to see him primarily playing the four um, to start. I mean, he's he's a skinny 215 pounds. Like he is a very lean, not a lot of bulk on him kind of guy. Kobe Altman has kind of talked about him playing, uh, needing to play the four. Uh, they've talked about him needing to bulk up. He has openly talked about like, look, it's going to be scary when I get really big, and he's kind of talked about the fact that uh, he needs to get bigger, right? Like it is a thing. So. I think you look at him and it's going to be this situation where it's like, you're going to see him play the four. You're going to see him play next to Jared Allen. You're going to see him play with other bigs. And then I think play some five. We'll see what happens with Kevin love. We'll see what happens kind of with that, that situation. But, I think you look at him primarily as going to be a four and he's going to add size and they're not going to throw him to the deep end. But um, what happens with Kevin Love will we'll certainly play a role in that. I mean, I, I still kind of think a buyout makes most sense for everyone. But if that doesn't happen, I mean, is he going to, is Kevin Love going to come off the bench? Is he going to be willing to play 20 minutes a night backing up Mobley? And and is that kind of something that's going to play Juan well locker room? I mean, that, that's kind of a, a kind of an unanswerable question until we kind of get into it a little bit.
0: If at other Cavs guys at Summer League, Isaac Okoro, who is amazingly only like five or six months older than uh, Evan Mobley, both 20 years of age, by far the youngest players on this Cavs Summer League team. Okoro, um, at the end of last season, really took a surge in terms of offensive load, usage, and being more of a scorer in that little period at at the beginning of May. Did you see anything particular from Okoro in the two games that he played out there that makes you think he's going to take on a larger offensive load? Or is it still really just going to run through love when he's out there and Garland and Sexton for that big usage? Or did Okoro show some things that we didn't see from him last
3: year? I think he's adding some wrinkles. I think um, I think he's bigger, for one. I think like he looks like he's added like a good 10 pounds of muscle. Like He looks significantly bigger. Um, I think you look at him and you see a guy that is like I. the shot is what it is. Like, I think he maybe took like five threes all summer, like, like in two games, maybe even less than that. Like, it's not clear to me, like what the shot looks like. And that is really the big kind of variable with him in a lot of ways. But I, I think offensively he's going to do some more cutting. I think he's got a lot of potential as a slasher. Um, he showed some ability to do some head fakes and some body fakes on cuts that was not there last year. He looks a little less rigid as an athlete in that sense. So I think you're going to see him still be able to get like some easy buckets. He's a, I think he's got the potential if his handle is tighter to uh finish at the rim as a, as a attacking back closeout. You saw him do that in summer league where he had a couple powerful dunks just because he's really explosive with that first step if his, if his dribble's tight. So if that stuff holds and that becomes true, he's got a role there on offense. It'll be about his shot. And um, really, I think it's about him working off of, of Garland and Sexton and whatnot will be the key there.
0: Yes. Um, it'd be really interesting to see how that, how that does happen and, and what sort of role he fits in. Because like Mobley, he's a very good out-of-position passer as well. And yeah, with guys like, you know, with Sexton being that main guy whose passing is not at the strength, what you needed to be to be a point guard. And he's not really a point guard. But having yeah plus passing at the four, at the three, at the five, when Kevin Love's out there as well, really should help this Cavs team move the ball around a little bit more than they have in the past. Chris, it was great speaking with you. And if guys want more information about the Cavs and Evan Mobley and Isaac Okoro and Darius Garland and Colin Sexton and all of the Cavs guys, check out Chris and Evan over on the Locked On Cavs podcast. Chris. Thanks for uh, coming on Locked On NBA with me. Anytime, buddy. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts that you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer? Choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Rock auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years, and their prices are always reliably low for every customer. They have everything you could need, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Go and explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution to your auto parts needs. rockauto.com, head there right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck, and write locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. I know it, you know it. If you don't know it, if you don't know what one of your favorite flavor is, you need to get to Built Bar right now. Do you know that Built Bar has nine delicious flavors? Plus they throw out limited time flavors all the time. Coconut, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate. There is something for everyone. If you don't know what your favorite flavor is, you can get a mixed box where you get 18 bars, nine flavors, two of each. And not only do they taste great, because they taste just like a candy bar, but they are good for you. Most of the flavors are 17 grams of protein with just 130 calories, four grams of sugar, and four grams of net carbs. And it maxes out at 180 calories, five grams of sugar, and five grams of net carbs. That is amazing. So order today and get yourself that raspberry box or mint brownie box or peanut butter brownie box or whatever you like. Go to built.com. Use the promo code locked fifteen, and you'll get fifteen percent off your first order. The promo code is locked fifteen for fifteen percent off at built.com. Now let's bring in the host of the uh, Locked On Rockets podcast. Jackson Gatlin is here with me. Jackson, welcome back to the show. First of all, um, let's talk. Let's talk Houston Rockets. Let's talk. Cause they had, you know, four first round picks playing for them, obviously in Vegas summer league, but let's talk with about the number two overall pick Jalen green and uh, how he looked in Vegas in your eyes.
1: So, I mean, I, I think in the, uh, t- about two and a half games or so that we got to see out of Jalen green before he was, uh, unfortunately shut down due to hamstring tightness. We saw exactly as he was marketed, you know, a bona fide dynamic scorer, really explosive first step ability to create for himself in a variety of ways be it driving to the basket and finishing at the rim creating separation and getting to his patented step back shot um i mean even you know making contested you know tightly contested threes in very close quarters of of defenders just he really was able to score in a variety of different ways uh, across the two and a half games that we saw out of him and i really throughout those two and a half games Wasn't didn't ever really feel super impressed, right? It didn't really feel like you look up and you're thinking, yeah, Jalen's having a great game, which is the scary thing because in that third game against the Raptors where he was shut down due to the hamstring tightness, it felt like he was kind of on his way to a 30-plus performance in that one. He had 13 very quick points before sitting out the remainder of that game, and that was the one where he started out three of five from downtown, really kind of felt like he was hot to start the game and was on pace for a really, really impressive
0: night. Yeah, look, his shooting numbers are obviously fantastic. You know, 50% plus from three, hit all of his free throws. Basically, he missed one across the three games. He averaged 20 points. We knew he could score. We knew he was going to be an explosive athlete. But did you see anything else there in terms of uh, his ability to handle the ball, to be a pick-and-roll sort of a guy Um, defensively with his slight frame? How did he hold up there when matched up against a few of the bigger bodies that he went up against?
1: Well, I saw two things that were really interesting, Josh. So first of which I do think his playmaking is a bit underrated. And I think that's an area where uh, they were definitely trying to get him a little bit more comfortable. I think that was one of their objectives was to see how he operated uh, a little bit more in heavy pick and roll environment uh, in summer league. And then against the Pistons, especially the way the Pistons defensive scheme against Jalen green was, you know, their, their entire goal was to get the ball out of his hands. They were blitzing him, you know, constantly trying to take the ball out of his hands. And so then the Rockets really adjusted and they moved to having Jalen Green operate an attack off ball, coming off ball screens, that kind of thing, and create having opportunities to create before the Pistons had a chance to, to double team him. And so in that game I really liked the ability cuz we saw in the first game he was you know very comfortable ball in his hands you know kind of operating out of the pick and roll a little bit creating for himself creating for teammates we saw some flashes of that and then we saw the inverse of that where the Pistons forced the ball out of his hands but he was still able to be productive score the ball and still use his gravity to create for the rest of his teammates so I saw that and then defensively We've seen a lot out of Jalen Green where in interviews, you know, he's constantly talking about wanting to be a two-way player, wanting to be a defensive presence, knowing that that's an area of his game that he has to work on. And defensively, I was, you know, largely impressed with his effort, right? There's definitely going to be some growing pains there. He does not have – quite the NBA body yet. He's going to get kind of bulldozed around a little bit, put in the weight room occasionally, On you know, when he switched on to some bigger players, but the effort level is there, right? He was, you know, attentive, paying attention, you know, being a good help defender at times. And so that's a great sign moving forward for a guy who is not only talking the talk, but also trying to walk the walk defensively.
0: In terms of the other rookies, um, we had Josh Christopher, we had Usman Garuba arrive after the Olympics, and, of course, Alperen Shingun, all of the uh, first-round picks the Rockets made. I, I would say that Shingun probably made the biggest impact or at least the biggest I don't know if noise is the right word, but people were paying attention to what Shengun was uh, was out there doing for the Rockets. So what did you see from uh, from Shengun? Is it enough to think that he will be a part of the rotation early on in the season? And yeah, how how was his performance out there? Because again, there are plenty of people who are listening to this or watching wouldn't have seen or heard of Shengun really before uh, Vegas Summer League.
1: Yeah, I, I think coming in, you're right. We kind of had this idea of Shengun as this you know, old school, you know, 80s, 90s, you know, back to the basket, big, a really polished post game from all the highlight footage that you saw, you know, from him playing overseas. But then the thing that really stood out to me is that was still there, right? Is he's got the polished post game. I think his passing was a standout there offensively, seeing how patient he is at times to go through his array of moves offensively and not panic, right? If he picks up his dribble or something and just kind of wait for an opportune moment, you know, maybe a little dump off pass or a quick pocket pass to a cutter to create some easy opportunities for his teammates. So I love seeing that passing out of him offensively, but really the standout to me for him was defensively because the biggest concern I had was, is this going to be a guy who's going to get played off the court? Is he going to get eaten up on switches defensively at the NBA level? And I know it's still summer league. We haven't seen him against, you know, you know, real NBA competition yet, right? Is a bunch of summer league guys trying to make NBA rosters, but there's a level of confidence there in his ability to move his feet defensively and how well he recovers just how well he moves in general on the defense side of the basketball I thought he was going to come in and kind of be a slow-footed big and get really destroyed on switches when he's out there on the perimeter having to check a smaller guy but largely he's really held his own and even the Rockets coaching staff you know were praising him you know heaping tons of praise on him after the very first summer league game saying that he recovers in space so well that he reads and adjusts and then not only you know his defense. On switches, but he's been. I don't have his block numbers in front of me right now, unfortunately, but he's had a handful of blocks in pretty much every Summer League game so far because his timing is incredible. He's not the greatest athlete in the world, and I'm being pretty polite when I say it that way, but his timing and his verticality when he goes up to contest shots is out of this world for a kid
0: his age. Yeah, he was he was really, really impressive out there, and it's going to be intriguing to see how he gets used throughout the season. What about the the rest of the, the Rockets' uh, young guys? Garuba, who we, we didn't say much of, of course, and, and Josh Christopher. Anything there sort of catch your eye?
1: I think with Josh Christopher, it's his total drive defensively, and that's going to be the thing that earns him minutes on the court. He has an ability and a knack to also, at times, be able to score the basketball. I think the decision-making and sometimes maybe the tunnel vision is going to be what might be his downfall at the NBA level if he can kind of grow and mature past that. I know it's summer league, and we've also seen Josh Christopher play in two games now, sans Jalen Green, or I guess one and a half games, without Jalen Green, and there's kind of an expectation that was placed on his shoulders to be the primary you know, scorer, facilitator in the absence of Jalen Green. So I'm not going to be too hypercritical of him right now, but that's kind of my main concern leaving summer league is with Josh Christopher, what he's going to look like offensively. Can he slot into a role where he has less of a burden, is more so you know expected to be a spot-up shooter and maybe create off the bounce occasionally? But he's going to earn some minutes at the NBA level because of his tenacious defense. I think we saw that on display throughout all four of these games, and especially the highlight, I guess, of, of his summer league should be The play where he locked up Cade Cunningham, you know, completely stripped him of the ball and then had one of those. He's already got like the walk off taunt too, like after he does something really successful defensively and then kind of like struts off. Like, yeah, I just did that. So he's going to be an easy guy to cheer for for Houston Rockets fans. And then, like you said, with Usman Garuba, we haven't seen much out of him. He was extremely uh, jet lagged coming into that first summer league game. Only played 12 minutes. And then in his second summer league appearance, still, you know, very little practice time, doesn't really know his teammates yet, just kind of, but wants to be out there, wants to get some reps in with these guys. And for me, I think when you see a guy with that level of length and ability to guard positions, basically one through five, he's a really unique piece, but of the four Rockets rookies, I think he's probably the one that is a little bit, kind of the most raw, if that makes sense, right? He didn't have a huge role uh, offensively with Real Madrid, and he's pretty much, at the NBA level for the Rockets, going to be kind of a screen setter, rim runner, that kind of guy um, needs to work on that spot up three point shooting ability to, to make it consistent at the NBA level. So we'll see how his progression goes. And hopefully we, we get, you know, a solid performance out of him before summer league's over.
0: If you want to hear more about the Rockets, Jalen Green, Alperen Sengun, and the rest of their young players, Jackson will have that covered for you all over on Locked On Rockets. Jackson, thanks for coming on Locked On NBA and chatting uh, Rockets and summer league with me. Absolutely, Josh. Always a pleasure. And that'll do it for me today. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. And you can also find Locked On NBA on YouTube. So search us up there. Subscribe over on YouTube. Give it a thumbs up and leave a comment as well, guys. We are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.